Jock, kind words, Jock. <laughs> I just want to throw compliments at you now. <laughs> sure. I've had such a roller coaster of a week, and the Lord has been doing so much that I'm, I really don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I don't know if I'm going to cry or speak or not stop speaking, or, um, but it's such a privilege. And uh, wasn't that worship amazing? Like everything wells up inside of us, and, and it's just gratefulness. Um, and that's Jesus. That's his, what he's doing in us just causes us to be grateful. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, to, to worship, to prayer. Um, that's beautiful. I loved what Adele said. She started saying, the Lord said. He spoke to me. And what a privilege to, to hear him. Like, I thought Christians were crazy. What, how can they, the God that I don't even believe in, say, they say that he speaks to them. And now we're on this side and we hear him. So, yeah. So, I, I'm so excited. Um, so, the Lord whispered to me earlier in the week what he wants to do. And uh, I'll just give you a quick little story of the picture he showed me. Um, so, I've been surfing my whole life. And when I was really young, uh, I got sunburned lots again and again. It was I spent like six hours in the sea. And you don't think about what happens over 12 o'clock and 1 o'clock in the day. You just, you're just out there. And you come home and your nose is pink and your lips are, are like fat and, you, and you're just sore and you don't care. You just, uh, when you surf, you're, you're fanatical. You, you are consumed by that thing. So um, I'm 52 now. About 10 years ago, I started getting these little dry spots on my arms and my hands. And... Um, one day I went to a skin specialist and he said, you're in serious trouble. All this damage is your, your skin that's been damaged before the age of 18. And it's the deeper layers of your skin. Um, where's Lisa? Is she here? She'll know all the tech, tech, kids' church. Okay. Um, it's all these deeper areas in your skin that gets damaged. And um, you don't know about it. You're carefree. You're loving your life. And then at, at the age of 40, these spots start coming up to the surface and now you're dealing with problems. And I got to a point where I had something on my hand, I had something on my leg. I went to a skin specialist and he said, this is cancerous. This is, you've been leaving those little dry spots and those two things are potential melanomas. You, we need to cut them out. So I got these things cut out and then now the discipline was there of every year I've got to go and get dry ice used on my hands to burn off these little dry spots. And, um, oh, there's Lisa. She'll correct me. She'll throw some technical terms at me. Um, and uh, so I got this things done. And recently I went to him and he said, no, there's this amazing cream. There, you, you put it on your skin. You apply it for two weeks. And it starts attacking all the compromised cells. So your healthy cells don't get touched because they're flexible. They're, su- they're supple. They have their defenses up. They have their boundaries in place. They... Um, they're like good believers that know the word and that follow the spirit <laughs> and that are accountable to one another. They're healthy. But the other, other cells have been compromised. There's markers on them that this, this uh, um, ointment recognizes and it penetrates them and it destroys the cell. And I thought, that's amazing. I said, great, let's do this. They said, you must do it before summer because you're gonna get, um, it's going to be very sore. So brace yourself. It's going to be two weeks of pain. So two weeks before we moved, no, two weeks ago, 
I decide, okay, I'm just going to do this. So I put the, the, the ointment on my hands, and I'm just ha- I'm rubbing it on. And three, four days in, I'm going, man, this is a breeze. There's, no, there's like a slight tingling. I feel nothing. My pain threshold must be like up here. Like I can give birth, because I feel nothing. <laughs> so, so, I mean, this is a weekend to it. And then I think day eight or day nine, I'm going, oh, my heck, my hands are on fire. It feels like I've just touched that grid, but with the back of my hands. And it's just getting worse. And this stuff just keeps on attacking cells, and it keeps eating away these things. So I, I, I think day 10, I'm in agony. I can't touch the sheets. I'm walking around like, like, like this. All my bravery is gone. Now I'm just enduring. And, uh, and then it started healing, stopped the treatment. And the Lord whispered to me earlier this week, he said he, wants, he loves his bride and he wants to do that tonight. He wants to start a treatment in us tonight that's going to attack the compromised places in our hearts, in our spirit. And um, he's, a, he's the king, he's the physician, he's the one that knows exactly what to do. We don't have to do anything. All we have to do tonight is to submit ourselves and just to say, I took that first step and said, okay, I'm ready, here I go, let's apply the ointment. And that's all he desires from us. So I'm so expectant tonight for what he's going to do. I saw little hints of the spirit breaking out. That gets me very excited. Um, so, so that's what he, he whispered to me. And um, so, so here goes. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm so grateful. Like, I've been saved for so many years. Tonight I saw Sebastian playing bass. Where are you, Seb? Benjamin was worshipping in the front. Those are my two boys. He's up in kids' church now. My wife, Tanya, is worshipping next to me. And I'm like, I've got so much to be grateful for. This is, this is amazing. Um, and, and the Lord's got such good plans for all of us. He knows how to heal us. He knows how to bring wholeness to our lives. He knows how to give us a hope and a future, a dream and a vision, and it aligns with him. Yesterday at the gathering, we heard the main thing again. Just the main thing is the main thing. You're saved. You've encountered Jesus. And um, now go make disciples of others. Draw them in. Because this goodness is too good to hold. The war is incredible. It's, we're up against principalities and powers. There are battles that all of you are facing that are sore, that are all, that's all-consuming. But his plans are beautiful and is to make us whole. Yeah. So, that's just my intro. <laughs> um, Rita, if you could put that scripture up for me, Hosea 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Some translation says vision, lack of vision. Um, and then it gets heavy. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you. I don't want to focus on that. That's the Old Testament, and he's speaking to a specific group. Because you have ignored the law of your God. I just want to focus on that. So there's a way of being in step with the Lord and, and, and not ignoring his law, submitting yourself to the word, submitting yourself to the spirit, and that brings life and freedom and with that, at the end, I'll bring something in of submitting ourselves to one another. Because that's the third leg. If we do those things, we won't get weird. We won't act funny. We won't hurt people. People will get drawn to us. 
So um, this is such an interesting story I, I read. It's not, um, I've just got to tell this because it lines up so well with vision. So uh, the Grand Central Station in New York. Um, it's a short story. Don't be tempted to blank. Um, the Grand Central Station in New York, um, they renovated the things so old and it can't handle the capacity of all the people going through. Apparently there's 750,000 people going through there on the busiest day. So it's underground tunnels. There's nowhere to expand it. It's been propped up by pillars in the 50s and the 40s. Um, and now there is this mass of people going through that one entry point. So they started changing the entry point, trying to make it wider. That's above ground. They can do that. That's Grand Central Station. But underground, there are, now there's skyscrapers above. You can't mess with the tunnels. You can't blast. You can't do anything. And um, they got an architectural designer in. And he said, the problem is the flow of the people. It's not the capacity. Every 30 meters or 20 meters, there's this pillar right in the middle of your, of your, your site that holds the roof up. If you take all the pillars out, you start building pillars on the sides, and then you take the center pillars out, you'll have a flow of people that you don't need to, to increase their capacity. So they were skeptical, but then they did the research, got a second opinion, and, and they went, no, this is, we, let's do this. So they spent millions doing this. And, and basically what it amounts to is this. If our eyesight is blocked, if, if we have something in front of us, we constantly have to maneuver around it. We've got to try and look around it. It's almost like standing on the beach. If you look in, into the sunset, you have space forever. I don't know if you, take, if you go on long road trips. You just think clearly because there's just space all around you. If you have obstacles, you can't see where you're going. And you actually start frowning. You start walking slower. You start achieving less. Um, so this was the psychology behind it. They did it, and it worked amazingly. And today, I just want to speak about my people perish through lack of vision, lack of knowledge. So I want to equate vision with knowledge. Knowledge comes from the word, knowing the word, hearing the spirit. But with that comes vision. Like we heard Andrew speak, we've received this great gift. Jesus is our savior. He's died for our sins. He's taken all of our stuff onto him. Now let's tell the rest of the world. The vision is clear. We all know that. What stops us are the blockages, are the things that's in our lives that draw us into the real world right here, right now, and we can't look past them. So, hands up. Who loves sci-fi? Wow, I thought like five people would like sci-fi. I love it. I cried during the Matrix. <laughs> So I watched the first Matrix, and it was Neo got given the blue pill and the red pill that Joey spoke about. And, um, and I, I just cried. I couldn't stop sobbing. I thought, this is, this is like, this, this is this incredible gift of knowing the truth, having a choice, or you just take the blue pill and you carry on living your life. You live in your nice house, you have your caravan, you go on the holidays once a year, you have your group of friends. Everything on the surface looks amazing. But you're living in a dream world. You're doing these things that... You're raising your kids well. You're doing a lot of good stuff. 
but there's, there's something that keeps you in the dream world. So your vision is blurry. We don't, you don't devote yourself fully to going, Jesus, you've, I've received the biggest gift I can get. Um, so you're never fully devoted. You're just sort of half there because you're consumed by the pillars in your life that's right here. Comforts, surfing, money, knowledge, YouTube, Instagram, all those things are, they're just distractions. And I can justify it. I can be on Twitter and be on News24 and check all the alternative news sources and I'm going, I'm really educated and I'm, I know what's going on in the world and I have an opinion about the vaccine and I have an opinion on, on what's happening in the financial system and I'm investing in Bitcoin and I was there from 2012 already. And all those things, they mean nothing because they're here these are pillars in our lives. They're not the main thing. They're all secondary. So I'm trusting today that as I speak, um, I have these few little stories that I want to tell. I realized when I prepared the preacher, I have too many stories. And what am I going to leave out? I don't know what to leave out. Um, and uh, I'm just trusting that the Lord speaks into your heart. That skin treatment is below the surface, it's deep, it's in our souls. It's what he wants to correct and, and go, that soul is compromised. I want to heal that thing so you're healthy. And when you're healthy, joy starts welling up. Gratefulness starts welling up. Freedom starts coming. Worship is true worship. Prayer is from a deep place in your heart. It, it's just a reflection of a healthy church. Who's the, Jesus is the, is, is the main thing. It's not... My theology, it's not my opinion on what the elders are saying. It's not my, my opinion on anything. Those are all idolatries that we set up against the knowledge of God. Um, so let's trust the Spirit. That, uh, and I think just take that as, as I'm speaking, just, just be expectant. Just go, Lord, I'm willing to take that ointment, willing to let your Spirit move around. He's, he's here. Um, he wants to touch our hearts and he wants to bring correction. Sometimes it's a little bit sore. Sometimes it's, uh, we don't feel it. It's the process that he starts. And it might happen in two weeks' time at home. But let's just submit ourselves now. Can I just pray for us? Father, all these words mean nothing without you coming. Holy Spirit, without you revealing Jesus. Would you come and just set your bride free? It's for freedom that you've set us free, Lord. Freedom not to navel gaze, but to just reflect your beauty, Lord, that the world would find us desirable. Would you set us free, Jesus? Pray for open hearts. Could you put the scripture up for me, Ephesians 6 verse 12, Rita? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Um, I, read, I read that scripture, the powers of this dark world, and I thought, Matrix. That's when... Morpheus speaks to Neo, and he goes, welcome to the desert of the real. And, and he starts training him and goes, you've 
taken the red pill. Now, this is how ugly the real world is. But there's a fight to, to fight. Um, okay. So, th- uh, 12, okay, 12 years ago, um, we moved into a house, and it was completely God. He highlighted it for us. We got it, bought it on an auction right in the bottom of the 2008 financial crisis. We got it for a really good deal. Tanya and I hardly ever agree on big financial decisions, ever. We just always divided. So when we agree, we take that as, okay, that's the Lord speaking. So that we figured out along the way. And um, so we, we, we just agreed. We just went, no, this is him. Okay, let's do this. And we put an offer in, and the moment we put our offer in on the auction, everyone else kept quiet. And I was in shock. I just thought, whoa. No. And it was a really good price. We live in Malpos. And uh, we just know that's the Lord. He gave it to us. We have the security that where we live is where we should be. He's put out in PM. We haven't moved for how long? I think the whole church has changed while we've been here. The whole eldership team's changed. The lead elder has changed like, changed like four times already. So we feel, I, I joke about it, I go, um, it's like waking up to your wife and she's a different person. And, and you go, I know I'm married to her and she's familiar, but she looks completely different today. So that's what PM's been like for us. Um, trying really hard to be funny because I get very serious. <laughs> so just play along. I even brought Tuobi in to just laugh at my jokes because I know he always laughs at my jokes. <laughs> um, so we moved into this house and it was um, the four of us and we, we just couldn't sleep. We just couldn't sleep ever. We were always edgy. I never had a sense of peace. Like we know the Lord well. We know his spirit well. We know what his peace feels like. We didn't have it there. And, and uh, we didn't know what was going on. But Sebastian was the worst. In his room, he said he felt like he was never alone. He felt like there was always something there that was not good. And, um, and eventually I'm going, okay, no, there must be something going on in this house. So we're praying, and eventually I'm up in the ceiling, and I'm scratching around going, there must be stuff here. And, uh, and I don't believe in curses. I believe in, like, the Bible speaks of your curse, uh, undeserving curse will not come to rest. That's my theology. And I have all these beliefs, but now I'm living in a house and I can't find peace. And, and it feels like there's something going on there. It's like not poltergeist yet, but it's, 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 it's not great. So eventually we got a couple of people together and we got some elders together and, and we started praying. And, and it, it, you know how the Spirit speaks. He just starts moving in a direction. And we go, no, Nikki, you, you're the authority in the house. You need to pray over the boundary walls of this place. So eventually we're walking around on the walls, which are high. they two and a half meters high. And it's like six of us all along the edge of the house. And then the houses are built on each other. So I'm going, I don't know what the neighbors are thinking, but we're doing this. And we're praying the blood of, praying the blood of Jesus over all the boundaries. And um, we felt to do that. Then we started hearing the Lord. And then he goes, go and pray in that room. So we go to this outside toilet. And um, there's no small kids here. And the Lord just started speaking about, uh, speaking about a, um, 
a baby that was flushed down that toilet. That happened in that place. And, and we went, okay, now we're praying, and we're going, okay, well, we, we're the authority in this house. We've just bought it. Our name's on the title deed. We take full ownership. Jesus, we pray your blood over this place, and we warfare it. And it didn't go quickly. It was like a period of a week that we fought and fought and prayed and fought and prayed. And then it started lifting, and we started feeling the, the peace of Jesus coming into the house. And in Seb's room, there was a peace. And everywhere, there was a peace. And we went, okay. That's what we know. Jesus is familiar. We know him. He's trustworthy. We know his presence. But we had to fight for that thing. And I was reminded of that story in Ezekiel where the, the, the Israelites was given the promised land in Canaan. And they went into houses that the Canaanites lived in. And there were certain kinds of mildew that was on the walls of this house. And in some cases it was damp. In other cases, they had to bring um, priests in to, to pray and anoint over their houses. And, um, and that was to bring peace, was to bring God's presence, was to bring God's favor, because there was idols, idols were, were sacrificed in those houses to God's. And I thought, okay, this, this is biblical. It's not quite exactly what I understood, but I had to adjust, adjust my thinking, adjust my theology, and, um, and there was such a story of fighting for, for territory. And God's got territory for all of us. He's got giftings, places, places we're going to go study, people we're going to marry, places we're going to live and have, and have an influence, people, people we're going to touch in our lives. And we, and we have to fight for those things and those people and those places. Um, because our fight is against principalities and powers, not against the physical. Um, for a few years, many years ago, I was battling with um, de- depression, and I didn't know it. I didn't know what depression was. All I knew, I wanted to be alone. I slept a lot. I couldn't understand why I was sleeping so much. And I was just very negative. And... and and I, didn't, I didn't, really didn't know what it was. I just knew something was wrong. I'm fighting a battle here, and I never, never had victory. And one day, a really good friend of mine, Dawn Castleman, came to me and said, she said to me, you depressed? You need to get out of your house. When this thing comes, you need to be with people. You can't seclude yourself. But I didn't want to do that. That was just uncomfortable. It's not what I wanted. Toby was living just above me in a house two houses away. And I would be... I would just be in my room in my house most of the day. And uh, she would come and knock at my door, and she would go, Nikki, I know you're in there. Stop ignoring me. Come out. And, I'm, and I'll just be quiet. Like, Dawn must just go away. I don't feel like people today. And she goes, stop playing games. Come out. And eventually, I'll, I'll, okay, I submit. I open the door. Okay, Dawn, you can come in. And she goes, no, no, we're going out. Let's go, let's go and do this. Let's go. There's... there's people at this house, let's go there. And it took me not knowing what I was fighting for and fighting against. It, needed, it took somebody else with a, another set of eyes that wasn't involved that decided to be a friend to me, to pull me out of my hole. And I wasn't willingly wanting to do that. So what I'm saying here is, it's so important what other people see in our lives. We don't see it. Will used to say we don't know what we don't know. 
The problem with that is we don't have a clue. So you could be... I, I think there's a few of you that is battling with that thing. And you've just learned to live with it. And that's not God's plan for you. That's not the place he's given you. And you've almost gone, this is my lot. This is what my life is. I'll serve the Lord. I'll be a church. But this is my thing. How many people here don't sleep properly? There's quite a few. Not not baby, separate story. <laughs> that's 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 maybe. <laughs> we living in a commune many years ago. I'm just telling stories. I'm just firing. This is a little bit of a shotgun thing I'm doing, but I'm trusting that the spirit is in this. Many years ago, we were living in a commune. Tuobi was in the commune. Um, Mona van der Walt was there. Uh, Anthony Dean was there. He ate all our food constantly. Uh, there's a bunch of people. The amazing thing is that we were, we were worshiping constantly. We were praying constantly. Guys, we'd go, let's go for a surf. So Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, they arrive there, and we don't leave until 12 because we, somebody started worshiping and then we start praying and then they felt something and then there's prophecy and um, that is amazing. Wayne Dodd, he had a whole MG glass fiber car in pieces in his cupboard <laughs> for his son that he didn't know yet. And now Christopher is this monster of a guy that slept over at our house last night. He's driving that MG that you put together in that commune. It's amazing. Investment, like looking long-term. Um, and in that house, we didn't sleep. And I thought, what on earth is this? Then one night I'm praying, the Lord showed me these funny little round spiritual things. they like big balls with faces with nothing, they nothing. They pathetic little things, and they all right in the bottom corner in the bushes of this property. And all they're doing is hanging around there. So some of you might think this is whack. This guy has gone on a spiritual tangent. He's talking about all kinds of things. All I'm saying is these are the things that we've had to fight through. We've had to figure out, and just by the help of the Spirit, a lot of the stuff's not is very grey in the Bible. But then the Spirit speaks. And um, eventually we had to pray against these little things. And their only purpose in their spiritual life, these little demons, is to keep you awake. They can't do anything else. They're useless. They, I think they're the bottom feeders of the spiritual realm. And they're all stuck in the corner because they're scared of the other demons. Uh, but they can torment you in keeping you awake. And then when we all got together in unity and we prayed against those things, poof, they were gone. And they're not even strong. But that robs you of being efficient. It robs you of having a good day. It robs you of being free in worship. And it robs you of all kinds of stuff. You're not efficient at work because of a stupid little thing. And then my final story. Really enjoying it. This is amazing. Okay, I've got to tell you this one. This is just a little freebie. Um, I learned that word from Andrew. I, I don't use it. Um, what's his word? Nuance. 
don't use nuance, I use freebies. So, um, <laughs> so what was my freebie now? <laughs> it was such a good story. Oh, Andrew, 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 <laughs> Andrew. So we, the church was young. It's just like 20 of us. We, we just hanging out together. Andrew's not a guru. He's not an apostle yet. He's just the guy leading the church. And we're trying to follow him as best as we can. And we had no idea that it was going to grow. I think we saw Josh Jen being 200 people and nothing bigger, ever. I actually had a fear about big church. I thought, oh, we're going to end up as one of those big buildings that's desolate, that's empty, that people have moved on, and the spirits moved on, but people are still stuck there. So this is a little bit of an accountability story. Submit yourselves to one another. Uh, Andrew goes, hey, Nix, can I speak to you? So I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, what, like surfing? Are you going to tell me my bottom turns aren't that great? I know, I think they're exceptional. Don't even start. <laughs> and then he, like, he goes, when you tell stories, you really, really suck. <laughs> so, so, so I go, what? He goes, I, I have to be, someone's got to tell you this. You, I, start, I sit there and I listen to your story and I don't know where it's going. I'm cringing. I'm actually physically feeling uncomfortable. Like I want to, I just want to run. And, I, and the worst of all is it doesn't come to an end. It just keeps, it just keeps going. And, and there's never an, a punchline. It just sort of, you leave me with some picture that I don't even know what you meant. I think your brain's a bit fried from all the drugs. I took drugs, but your brain must be more fried. So, okay, but that was, a, the love sandwich was this. But the Lord's got a plan for you. I can see you preaching one day. I will take every story that you tell around supper, anywhere you are, please take it as practice because you need to get this right. <laughs> this is like 20 years later and I'm getting to get to preach now because I've been practicing for 20 years. Because <laughs> they didn't look like you'd looked, eh? They really, people would start looking around. My phone... A squirm, and some like the bald ones would just get up and leave. <laughs> so um, you want to be, you want to be, you want to smell good, you want to sound good, you want to be the fragrance of Jesus when you speak. You want to um, reflect Him well. You want to take all those weak areas in your life. That, we've, that you've always decided to live around because they're just really not your strength and let the Spirit build those things. Because he, he takes your weaknesses and he goes, okay, now I live in this and he'll take all your strengths and go and uh, put them on the shelf. And no matter what you do, you can't get there. It's over. Now it's just weakville. You just live, that's where you live. And however long it takes is however long it takes. So it's so good to open your life to people and go, hey, what do you see? Do I smell? Seriously, I mean, do I dress in a way that people are actually don't want to hang out with me? Like Andrew and I lived in a flat. We thought, Joey knew this, we thought the more we look like a bum, the cooler we are. 
The dirtier we are, the more real we are. The more messed up we are, socially the cooler we are. And we really believed it. That thing was a problem. It wasn't. It wasn't. We weren't really great to hang around with. We thought we were. We thought we were the bee's knees. We were the coolest. Everyone's checking us out. No one. No one was even looking in our direction. So what I want to say is our understanding of what we are and what we should be isn't always right. What we think is great isn't always right. We know the Bible speaks very clearly. We, we know in part. We need every one of us to see a side of us and to get stuff from us to see the picture of what the church must look like. And the, the church is healthy. It's full of life. It's not full of sleep-depraved, depressed, demonic-tormented people that are just trying to survive. It's full of life. We are not caught in our minds and our intellect. We are looking, we're not navel-gazing. We're looking up and away and at, at Jesus. We're looking at eternity. We see where wool is now. We see where the people are that's, that's, that's left, that's fallen asleep. We, we have a bigger vision. We carry this incredible gift that Jesus has given us. Um, and we carry the truth. So be ruthless. If, if any of these things, that's not normal. If any of these things is in your life, and while I was speaking, you're going, you know what, I actually consumed by finances. I'm consumed by Instagram. I, I'm not sleeping. I am, my life is, there's lots of areas that's out of control. I'm consumed by golf. I am, I can't wait to buy that Range Rover with the 2D roof racks and all the bags because that's my goal in life. That, that's, you have to be ruthless with those things. They are idols. They are pillars. They are things that set itself up against the knowledge of the Lord. There's no option. And the Lord will go silent. If those things are in, in your walls, if you've hidden things in your walls and there's mildew appearing, the, the, the Lord just, he just withdraws. He goes silent for long periods. Because he whispers one thing. And you know, you know he's touching that one thing. And you go, ah. I don't, I don't really want to do that. I just want to bry. <laughs> I'll do everything else, but I'm not going to do that thing. That is a recipe to separate yourself from the, from the Lord. Jesus just steps back. The Spirit just pulls back a little bit. Your ministry could be powerful. You prophesy. But your family is unstable, and you know your, your wife is just enduring, and you know things aren't right. And the Lord's whispering, but that's something that you've got. Maybe you've taken, made your kids so important that you're missing stuff. You are going, this is, I'm being faithful. I'm raising them well. If it takes away from what the Lord wants to do, and to make you whole, and to be a great reflection of what the church is, and to be a part of, of his display of knowledge, 
then it, you, you, you're robbing him, you're robbing all of us. So how do you do this? Submit yourself to the Spirit. The Word is Jesus. That's the truth. And submit yourself to one another. Sometimes we can be very spiritual and we can read the Word, but we're just not willing to say to Marius, hey, this is who I really am. This is, this is what I'm battling with. This is what I'm consumed by. Or, or you actually see people coming. You go, they can see it. I'm sure they can see it. But I'm just going to hold back. I'm, I, the less I give, the less visible I am. For years, I kept quiet. I didn't say a word. Because I thought the Bible says a fool will expose himself if he speaks. But if you're silent, they're not sure about you. So we know, okay, I'm silent. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Russell Fraser the other day. And he said to me, yes, you were silent for years. And uh, I think I was, I was robbing the church of just being bold, just being open, just being real with my life. And, and all, these, all these things are the sins that are common to man. Every single guy, we all look at women constantly. We have to rein that thing in. We've got to pull it back. We have to go, okay, I choose what I'm going to do with my eyes. But it's common to all of us. But it's such a thing that we keep quiet about because what, what are they going to think? So I just want to... I'll stop there. And I really believe the Spirit is highlighting things, deep things in us. That cream of going to the base layer and touching the compromised cells. That's the spirit of Jesus, touching deep things in us. Could be, it could be very churchy things. It could be stuff that is honorable, that is good, that looks amazing. It could be an idol. It could be something that we've got in our walls, that we're hiding away, that causes mildew, that needs people to come and pray for us and go, I need to expose. So the first step is, if there's something that's busy niggling right now that you're going, there's constantly this one thing that I'm thinking about while Nikki's speaking. That's something that the Lord's going, the Holy Spirit's going, wanting to touch that thing. And it might just, you be go, be go, it might just be you going, okay, I'm going to step forward, and I'm just going to say, Lord, here it is. No one's going to know what it is, but I'm doing business with the Lord.